This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Richie, Post America Podcast. We're back. Been off for a little bit. A lot of stuff going on, but we came back with a bang because we got our, our homie uh, Brian, Death Before Dishonor, on. And we all love Death Before Dishonor. And when we think of Death Before Dishonor, we think of Boston. And it's one of those bands that became synonymous with Boston, right up there with the Blood for Bloods and Slapshot and and that in itself is a big feat. So I'm excited to talk to Brian about a lot of stuff today. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate the kind words. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always listen to your podcast, so it's great to be on. Also to just talk to you. Yeah, it's been a minute, man. Like, uh, let's go back because I know, uh, you know, we've played with you so many times. We know each other pretty well, but not totally crazy well. But I, right, right. the band's history, I know pretty good, I think. So I'll give myself a little test. Did did uh, did Death Before the Sauna, was, when did you start? Was it 2000, 2001? Was it that long ago now? Yeah, yeah. I say, you know, I think we started putting the band together in like 2000s. I, I officially say like 2001 because we put out a demo in 2001 in that time. I mean, I go back with like my old drummer and try to figure out certain things we've done, but I definitely say 2001. But in 2000, we started putting together Death Force Honor from like old bands that we were in from like our area up here. Yeah, I remember your band before this, and there could be some, something else, but it was Incision, correct? Yeah, definitely. And my old band, Incision, when we broke up, me and my drummer from Incision, Dan, started death for dishonor got you okay yeah i remember incision well that was the hard band now yo 2001 that's think about that now right that's like it, dude it's crazy it's it like even even for the band like i try to think back and i don't know my mind is just shot because it's been 20 years but like i try to put like pieces of stuff together and it's funny dan i was talking to my drummer ben my current drummer and who's been in the band for a while but I was talking a little, like after listening to some uh, like Joe's podcast with you and just thinking of stuff in like the late 2000s and like, you know, trying to put together certain things like how we used to do things in like the late 2000s that were talked about in these interviews and then just go back to like piece together like the history of Death Force Honor and like trying to figure out our first show, this and that. I was talking to Ben one morning and then I was like, I got to talk to my drummer, Dan, my old drummer, Dan, because he just has a better memory. And I walked into Home Depot to grab something. And he just happened to be there and we started talking for like an hour on dumb shit. And then he sent me like a list of shows that we had like typed out. And this was like 2000 and three to 2007 and it was funny though in that text and this goes back to you he was like yo we're just trying to figure out like when we really started popping off and one of the shows that dan remembered i remember too i think it was called like nepa fest and i know you were there i don't know if you were playing in mushmouth or out to win at the time or whatever the case was but i just remember the face uh fest somewhere in like northeast pennsylvania um 
I think like shot a round plate or something like that. And I just remember wow. Dan pointed out, and it was one of those shows that we played and like everybody was singing along, like Pennsylvania always gave us love, but it was one of those like, damn, we got something going on here. And I don't know if that was Oh three Oh four Oh three. Maybe. I don't know. I have to go back to that list, but just a funny story. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's crazy to think because I put death before dishonor in the category of the newer bands that I like, you know what I mean? Right. Right. But- <laughs> absolutely. I, I understand that. Cause I feel like even though I get older, but I mean, it's hard to put myself in like a blood for blood or slap shot because those, when I was a kid, I'd go see those bands, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, from an outsider looking in, that's exactly where death before dishonor is. And it's, you know, it's, Boston is such an important, relevant scene. And when you think of the bands that, you know, that we love from Boston, who are Boston, like to me, those are the top three. Yeah, there's a ton of other ones, but it's, yeah, and, and, and in kind of that order, it's like, okay, Slapshot set a tone, then Blood for Blood set absolutely. a tone, and then Death Before Dishonor set a tone. And then there's, of course, you know, a ton of others, but these are the Boston bands. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot for sure. Yeah, being from that like that cloth, with in in a place with such a relevant history, like was it? Did you guys feel pressure? Were you in the mix? Did you know the older bands, the older generation when you're first starting, or or were you like outsiders at first? You know, trying to make your way in. I feel like I mean we obviously knew the older bands. Like when we first started, I mean, and at that time too, Boston was really weird as far as like what you know, talking about early 2000s, like uh, club wise, there wasn't a lot going on. So there was a lot of shows going on at Brockton. Like, so we were like coming out of that whole, like my old band was into that, like one, two, one scene out of Brockton and Brockton was like filling the gap after the rat and, you know, before some other clubs. But I, I feel like it definitely took a while for us to like catch on. Uh, we played a lot of stuff. And I was talking to Dan about this recently. Like I remember like, we played a lot of shows for the first couple of years that wasn't in Boston proper. It was a lot of suburb stuff. Um, we knew like the older people, but I wouldn't say we were like friends with them or stuff like that. I mean, I was always going to shows. People would probably recognize me by face or something like that, but I wasn't like kicking it with these people or like really knew them. Um, and you know, I grew up like 20 minutes outside of Boston. I would always go to Boston for shows and stuff like that. But Brockton also had its own scene too. So, I mean, that was kind of more home for me. But yeah, it took a little bit for us to like catch on in Boston. I remember like one of the first shows we played, Bill's Bar used to do Monday night hardcore shows. And like they had some dope shows, but you could also just play with like a bunch of locals and maybe not even like hardcore. It could be like punk bands or like kind of like metalish thrash bands. So it, t- it took a couple of years to like, we had like a decent following of our own friends and people that like we grew up with on like, we'll call it the South shore of Boston. Um, so that like helped us out for sure. Was there any, ever any kind of like rivalry between those scenes of Boston and Brockton or were they always pretty uh, like considered the same or, 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 or close with each other? I do think there's always been like, ah, oh, that's South shore when they talk about Brockton, you know what I mean? I mean, it's really like, it's not like, it's not like it's an hour drive. You know what I mean? It's literally like half an hour away from each other. It Brockton had its like own scene and its own bands. Uh, like, especially when you go back to like the one, two, one days and I was like younger. So I don't really know. This is kind of like I, my old band practice at one, two, one. All I really knew was one, two, one besides going to shows in Boston and stuff like that. But Brockton was more like home to me, but I do feel like there was, 
you know, like Blood for Blood would play there and like all the Boston guys would come. There'd be a lot of Boston guys at any show there, but I think it was looked on a little different coming out of like that whole rat scene being like Boston proper, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. I remember one two one two had uh I remember seeing some good shows there. I remember seeing Punch the Clown there a lot. Yeah, Chris that Chris and Dan that because they had two singers, at least at the beginning. Uh they both like booked a lot of those shows there. Like the dudes from XXL like ran the place that it was a rehearsal studio and that big room that they ended up having shows in was like XXL's like rehearsal room. And I remember when we like we practiced down at the end of the hall incision. Or even this was probably even before incision. I don't even know. But I practiced down there with my old band. And I remember when we like set up a stage there, we helped them build a stage out of like milk crates and like plywood. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But yeah, so Chris and Dan, like I feel like the guys from XXL and a couple other people put on the first few shows and it was all local bands. But Chris Mission and uh, Dan from Punch the Clown, they definitely were spearheading like bringing all these bands. And I, I remember, you know, Mushmouth. I'm pretty sure it was Miles from out there. I'll twin. I don't know. You guys definitely played up there. Strength played up there. There was a lot of bands that played up there. You know, I heard Chris Spears interview with Dysphoria, and I remember meeting Joe Hardcore up there. I met Ray Ray up there when he came up with Dysphoria, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I remember all those shows, but and I remember you guys come up there, and, and I remember, like, going down to CC's. But, yeah, this was all pre, pre-Death for Dishonor, but like I was saying, like, I – you know, when you're kind of younger, you like have an outside point of view of what's going on. And I might've had a band then, but I was in my own little world, but it definitely seemed like a little different. Like Brockton had its own thing, but it wasn't like Boston news didn't come to Brockton. Um, and I think that goes back years because Brockton used to have this club way back in the day called Derringers. And this is like, like you can find old footage of like biohazard playing there, like pre their first record or life of agony where like oh, the singers cool. on keyboard. Yeah. So that's a place that's known for a lot of thrash bands and stuff like that. And I think even back then when they had Derringers, Boston had like the channel and this was before me. So I'm just doing like speculating, but I think there was always just like a little bit of a different thing going on. Gotcha. See, I didn't even, I, I thought Brockton was like a, a like a, you know, I don't know anything. I, I thought it was like a neighborhood of Boston. You know what I mean? From yeah, down here, I, I didn't know. Like, if I'm going to Brockton, absolutely. I'm say I'm going to Boston, you know? Absolutely. And a lot of people did. And, like, and, and there were times where you could be, like, the only shows going on were in Brockton. There were, you know, there were different points yeah. between, like, I remember that the one-two-one scene and even, like, Roman slash Tigers then. Like, they were putting on a lot of shows. And once again, that goes back to Chris Mission when, you know, Boston clubs either got shut down or, you know, it's like any city it goes through spurts so like you know when the rat closed down there was a gap and then we had lansdowne street which was right behind fenway park that had like a bunch of different clubs like bill's bar mama kin it had access before it turned all into house of blues and they would do some hardcore shows but you know like just like any city or anywhere you know like oh there's a lawsuit no more hardcore shows in boston so then like brockton would pick up the slack so but yeah and it's not that far like i said dude it's like a half an hour drive so like People like, oh, I'm playing Boston, like, and it's Brockton. It makes sense. It's all one and the same. Gotcha. And Brockton is the home of the late great Rocky Marciano, no? Absolutely. That's why it's a city of champions. Yeah, that's a big. That's a big title to have. The Rock from your city, man. That's dope. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to play the Rat uh, with my old old band, Crutch, and yep. that place. That place was awesome, man. That was such a cool. A cool place. The last time I remember, because I have a bad memory too, it was with Blood for Blood and, and All Out War, and that was like two of like my favorite bands. 
and the Lieutenant. And I'm sure that show was crazy. I mean, Blood for Blood, that hometown show, of course. But I know All Out War back in the day used to always get wild react like their shows used to be fucking banging up here i don't know if i was at that one but i mean i'm sure like my memory is just so i mean i went on for a while saying i was like i started going to shows in 96 when i was already in my first band that shows how fucking shot my memory is yeah yeah when it comes to numbers and dates yeah I, i'm a lot of times i'm really off i could be off by 10 years when talking about a show absolutely but yeah the route was dope man the route was like just a state it was like our cbgb's you know what i mean it was a lot of hardcore punk rock dudes worked there and it was always hardcore punk rock bands. And I was obviously like younger. None of my bands ever played there, but I saw some great shows there. Um, it was definitely a dope venue. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think, I think it spearheaded the Boston scene for many years. Yeah. And, and completely right. It was like the, the Boston CBGBs, the rap was real dope. And one, two, one was dope because like you said, now that I'm realizing it, Brockton is not Boston. Brockton was the show holder for years when I don't remember anything technically being in Boston for a while, you know? Yeah. You're not wrong. Like I think like the middle East has been there forever. Right. I'm sure you know that club and yeah. that's still there. Well, I hope it's still there after this, but you know, they went through spurts where, so they've been there forever. They've been doing shows forever, but they went through years. Like they'd be like, all right, no more hardcore show, maybe a fight, maybe a lawsuit. So like you said, when there was like nothing going on the rat or the rat closed down, I should say, Brockton would pick up the slack, you know, for a while, like in the later years, like anchors up in Haverhill would kind of do the same. Now, granted, that's much further away than Boston, but like Massachusetts always have this thing like where, you know, when Boston falls off, another like suburb picks up. Yeah, I do remember anchors up. That was a cool spot. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that place being really hot. That place would get hot. Yeah, dude. Yeah, super hot. And that was that's much further away. But like once again, I mean, that's like forty five minutes from the city. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's where all the shows are happening when there's a lull in Boston, so people go up there. You know, now Boston always did. It had a, it had a reputation for like a violent reputation. So was that the when you're saying these clubs would get shut down and lawsuits? Was it mainly about uh, revolving around violence and whatnot? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it wasn't violent. I mean, I, a lot of the violent stuff that I remember, even like younger, a lot of it, I talk about like Lansdowne Street and the rat was pretty close to Lansdowne Street. It was just like a another block over, you know, and it was a lot of intermingling between like, and that's where Fenway Park is. So, you know, Red Sox games get out, a bunch of drunk people show up and not knocking drunk people, but drunk regular people come yeah. out and just like, ah, oh, you know, like, hey, there's a hardcore show and you're mixing two yeah, different yeah. types of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think some of it was fights, some of it too, like, and this is just me speaking, like, as a younger kid, I remember going to shows when you have, like, 200, Boston had a lot of big dudes that went to hardcore shows. When you have, like, 250-pound dudes, like, moshing and stage diving, people get hurt. And, and one of the the lawsuits that I was talking about at the rat, I, I mean, at the middle East, I remember was someone stage dove and I want to say someone's neck got broken or something like that. And it was a lawsuit. So it wasn't ah, like shit. over violence. It was over like, you know, just a big accident. dude. Absolutely. Damn. That's terrible. That's terrible. But let's, let's bring it back to, uh, to your earliest stuff. Was it, uh, the demo, was it called wartime? Yes, it was. And that, what was like the info? Cause like if we're talking about the Boston bands before you, none of them were like, and it was a thing of the time, that era, like you guys yeah. came out real heavy, like a step above in, in the heaviness. And uh, how was that perceived by the older bands in, in the scene uh, at that time? 
you know, it's tough to say. Like I said, the, right off the rip, like we kind of did our own thing before, you know, we kind of got, I, I say acceptance. I don't know if it's acceptance or recognized or whatever the case is. But I mean, as far as just being heavy, I remember like, you know, getting into hardcore, but even later on, like getting like satisfaction uh, by Hatebreed and like Marauder. I don't know. I just started like going down this rabbit hole of like super heavy bands and like, so we originally, we had dudes from Incision and uh, League of Pain, and we just wanted to be a heavy band. We weren't like, we just wanted to be a heavy hardcore band. And obviously, when you, you know, you can hear it on the earlier stuff, like a lot of influences coming from like oh, Master yeah. Killer from Rotter and, you know, just being heavy. It wasn't like, you know, we kind of wanted to be a little different, you know, but we were also young. So we we're just like putting together whatever was like influencing us at the time. So it wasn't like a strategic thing besides the fact that we just wanted to be a heavy ass hardcore band like you said kind of like that early 2000s there was a lot of like the more metallic heavy hardcore going on yeah there was but i think death before sauna was i could be wrong but i think you, you guys were real early in in, in a, a, like a lower tuning if i yeah we definitely right. had a fucking super weird tuning i don't know like that's the part like i don't understand like my original guitarist and frankie would probably know more about that but i know our tuning's like super fucking weird and super heavy and like and it's we kept that tuning the whole time, which has been nothing but a nightmare. But yeah, part of that was just keeping a tone and like just trying to be heavy as hell and just be a hardcore band that was like no bullshit and sounded like that, you know? Yeah, I always was like, uh, I always loved that when I when I heard, especially when I heard your earliest stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what did these dudes do to? And a lot of times when it comes to like demos and and stuff that you don't get a great production with. It's yeah. hard to even feel like, you know, it's hard to even appreciate the low tuning. But you guys, I, for some reason, regardless of production, I always felt like that tuning with your vocal was special. It was like guttural. It was really dope. And I, you never changed the tuning to this day? It's always stayed like that? It's always stayed like that. I think the only difference is, like, if you go back to the demo and, like, that first full length, like, because we'll play, like, Trudel Death, which is a title track. And I guess like the tuning on that is just like it's not in tune. Like, you know what I mean? When you're younger and you don't fucking get your guitars into yeah, the stuff. <laughs> so like when we use this tuning, when dudes like try to learn that song, they have to go back to like live versions because if you listen to the actual audio. But yeah, we we've kept the same tuning. We just, you know, after the first two records, and I I mean, I do think like for a demo like it came out decent we locked out with a place that like we had recorded with that with our own bands but you know once once we got into like the friends and me for every years we got into like really good recording studios so i think like getting a great recording with that tuning makes it sound a little brighter you know what i mean and not less not yeah. like sludgier yeah i think when when you got a like a better productions the like faster stuff really felt uh it felt stronger because maybe that's yeah. one problem with a real low tuning. When you do play like up tempo stuff, it could get lost a little bit. But like, absolutely, like, I love the better ways to die. Like that song in particular with uh, with that tuning sounds sounds real cool. And I I can't really say I know a lot of other bands that tune like that, but have those tempo songs. Usually, if you tune like that, you're you stay at a certain tempo and below. So it's, yeah, I guess you're right. I never really like thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. Like yeah, when we did when we first started, we just went you know down tune sound heavy um and not to try to sound too super sludgy but as we grew as a band we obviously like 
kind of reverted more to like our older influences and going back to more, I say more traditional, but we're always like a heavy hardcore, but like we got fast stuff and kind of punky thrashier stuff. But yeah, we always kept the same tuning and I don't know. I think it works good with my voice. I'm, I'm not like the musical guy, but I know what you're saying. Like we can do like a punk rock cover in our tuning and my voice kind of works with it. Cause I do have a super deep voice. Yeah, definitely. Who, who would, who would you think was the guy you were looking to, or, or maybe a few people, if any, as far as the influence for your own vocals? You know, I mean, I, I'm like the person that just like, I always just wanted to be in a band. Right. So I, I remember like when I was younger, getting into hardcore, there was this band called Brawl Park from up our way. And, oh, yeah, uh, I remember them, yeah, yeah, they were a cool band and they, they, that's how I actually got in the whole one, two, one world. I ended up where I was working at Domino's and the driver ended up being the drummer at Brawl Park. So I ended up going to their studio and their singer was like always away and they let me jump on the mic here and there. So I didn't have like a thing. Like I had influence, like back in the day, I always loved like Freddie Madball, Roger from Agnostic Front. And and those two are totally different, but I didn't have, I loved like, you know, that early hate breed stuff. I mean, I guess that was kind of a thing, but I just went in and screamed. And if I listen to like old recordings, I'm definitely not as deep as I was. I just just screamed and that's what came out and then you know as i got older and the more i did it i just locked in a certain tone and i wasn't like i wasn't like oh i gotta be deep or anything i just wanted to like i remember my first bands and my first recording sounded horrible and i was just like i just want to sound decent <laughs> you know what i mean oh, i got you so so it's sonically you weren't really you didn't have somebody in mind it's just kind no of- i don't think so i mean like i said I could have like in the sense of like when we were trying to be a heavy band and I, and I go back to some of that older stuff that we were listening to at the time, I'm sure I wanted to be deep, but I wasn't like, Oh, I got to sound like Joster or I got to sound like Jorge from Rotter or, or yeah. blood from, you know, whatever. I, I, I just wanted, I knew we wanted to be heavy. I wasn't like shooting for anything and whatever my voice would put out. Like I had some of my first bands that, I don't even know. They'd be like a one-off recording, never played a show or anything. And I'm like, damn, I sound like that. Even like the first incision stuff when I jumped in, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. Went in there just after practicing and like my voice breaking itself in. I just locked into it. Sound. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Josh. I, I re-listened to the, the first Hatebreed demo not too long ago. Wow. What a what a great demo that was, man. Dude. And, and, and I remember like dope. sending away for it, like for the time too. Like that was like just how fast and heavy it was it was just, yeah. just kind of like it was so i just cool. remember being blown away and then even when like satisfaction came out i remember like getting it at the store and i put it in my cd player i don't know that was 97 99 and i was like damn that's just fucking that was like for a hardcore band like that was just in your face fucking heavy yeah and it's like you know you got hatebreed they're from connecticut and connecticut to me has always been a point like where do they who accepts them new york or right Boston? right you know right. what i mean so it's kind of like a prime location almost, you know, for yeah, Connecticut they, bands. Absolutely. We we would see a lot of Connecticut bands, even going back to one two one. I mean, one of Death Threats first shows were up here, Hatebreed. I think the last show ever at one two one was a Hatebreed show, and that was right around the satisfaction time. Oh really? Um, yeah, that was fucking wild. Uh but yeah, so we would get a lot of those Connecticut bands, but I know what you mean. Like, I mean, Connecticut has a great scene, but it's funny because it's like it, if you go back, like, is it New York? Is it Boston? And then you look at like their sports teams' hats, and it always goes like some of it's New York, some of it's Boston. Yeah, yeah, it's a good location, though, man. Because a couple hours south, you get to New York City. A couple hours north, you're up in Boston. It's yeah, a good, it's a good mix. And they always had strong bands, Connecticut, real good spot. Amazing bands, yeah, always like. 
still do, you know, they're killing yeah. And I remember up in, uh, the last time I was in, in one, two, one, I remember we had some beef and oh, yeah. dudes, dudes wanted to kill us it, over some fireworks. I forget like the details. I remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I was there. Uh, but that wasn't that, if I'm correct now, I wasn't there for the original, but didn't that all spark after some CC show? I don't know. It could have. It definitely could have. I feel like, I remember like, I feel like Punch the Clown or like somebody went down to CC's play the show. Some beef happened there. Like, I don't know if it was like serious, some moshing beef. And then, then was it, was it out to win that came up to play? I think we were with, uh, Oh, I don't think crutch. it was out to win. I think it was Crutch and maybe Coming Correct. Because I know I Rick right. was there. Because yep. yep. I remember yep. Rick was there. But and then uh, I remember some with fireworks. I was there. I, I wasn't like privy to it. I was there because I was like rehearsing there. But I remember something. And there was like a weird stand-up. But everything was fine. I don't think there was a beef up here. Or like physical beef. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I, maybe you're right about something prior to that. But. I, we had a couple Puerto Rican dudes with us from this band called Living Proof. And, you know, of course. Yeah, I remember that. Fucking loudmouths, these guys. But anyway, somebody threw fireworks at them. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I, it could have. Maybe, maybe they did throw them because of uh, something that happened at CC's. I didn't even think, like, you know, like I, me and you got whacked out memories. But. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like. I just, I'm, you know, you, you hear like these little like things back in the day like it was just like a thing like when we were younger like oh man like punch. and who knows it could have been like no regret i think it was punch a clown that went down there with a bunch of people and then like some mosh beef like nothing crazy you know just yeah, dumb yeah, shit yeah. to have back in the day and they're like oh shit they're coming up here but you but know obviously yeah, like that's a part it, of the scene i think that's gone is the uh the potential like for you know, it was almost like going to another country in the beginning. Like, oh, yeah, how, it's, how are these foreigners going to act towards us? You know what I mean? Like, dude, was, you're, you're so right. And like, you go to some of these, like, anywhere. I mean, I remember the first time I went to Castle Heights, the first time I went to Philly, even the first time I went to CC's. My band and Susan played down there a bunch. We're just like, the fuck is this? You know what I mean? And yeah, CC's like was always packed, like kids going off. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a little different than uh, what happens nowadays. Yeah, what do you think about the uh is it good that that aspect and that potential for for violence at any time and and beef that could last years is it good that that's gone or was that part of the whole experience? I mean, dude, I mean sometimes some of the like beefs and shit like, you know, some of it's just was all nonsense and like I think some of it does like all right, some of it's inevitable, some of it does hurt the scene. A lot of it hurts the scene. I think though when you look back and I don't know if it's timing, I don't know if we're just so far gone from like that era, like, you know, where everything was more hands-on and like, you didn't know about bands till you see them or areas till you just went there or people till you physically met them. Um, I think there was an element of like that, that gritty undergroundness and like, there was something cool about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was cool, especially if it worked out good and you became yeah, yeah, I'm sure. friends with these people and then you had a group right. of friends somewhere else that were like a little different than your own people, you know, like yeah, I, I, even I, the way people dressed from scene to scene, it was like, you know, and it was and, always a little different. Yeah, in Brockton, they might be rocking this kind of hat a certain way. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, look at that. Like, I got, got a little flavor. And then somewhere else, they got, you know, everybody danced a little different, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was cool different. Aspects. And like you said, like, or like I was saying, like you didn't have the internet, so you didn't know what people actually look like. Right. Right. You, I mean, you might've known some bands from demo pictures or like, 
but you know, if you're going somewhere, you saw a fly, or something. you know, you didn't, you didn't see somebody's Facebook or Instagram or some Facebook event and you just went there and you're like, Oh, this is what it's like here. You know what I mean? Oh, these, yeah, like you said, yeah. these dudes dress like this, these dudes act like that. And yeah, I mean, sometimes it could go weird, but I mean, a lot of times you ended up just meeting like-minded people. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of goofy fights back in the day, but there was also like this element of like, you could just link up with a bunch of other weirdo maniac or just like fun people from a different state that like you just never would and yeah well i think that's ba basically what the outcome has been at this point yeah i agree of course for yeah, people from our generation from anyway which is kind of like we're sort of in a middle kind of generation you know yeah and now I agree. it's just if you think about it you you have friends everywhere now but yeah absolutely and i think that like that is so i mean I love playing in a band. I love traveling, but I mean, I have lifelong friends and like you, I mean, you know, like you said, we may not be the closest, but we've known each other for a long time. And every time we see each other, you know, it, it, it's all good and it's great to hang out. And like, I would never have met you if it wasn't for this crazy thing called hardcore. Yeah, totally. It's a definitely a weird thing. Like looking back and, you know, and thinking, wow, the death before dishonor started around, 2001 2002 and still for some reason in my head that doesn't seem like a long time ago but if i do the math man that's uh, dude uh, same here because like we're going on so 2000 so next year will be like 20 years right and someone was just talking to me about it and you like just me as being like a hardcore kid you'd be like oh sick of it all it's 20th anniversary or yeah you know i'm yeah. like damn it's our 20th fucking anniversary next year like that's fucking nuts yeah man like it's uh and like Death Before Dishonor is one of those bands that is has been a functioning, active band that releases material, plays shows, and there's really not a ton of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, it's a legacy band. It is in that category. It's 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 with the sick of it alls at this point. It's like the the generation after that stuck with it. You know, because you got from sick of it alls generation, you got sick of it all. And let's say example, a band like Outburst. Outburst right. is, is not that kind of band. They were, they were right, there. right. They put out a record and did some stuff, and then yeah, and then know. let's say if we got we got Death Before Dishonor and a band like Punch the Clown, like Punch the Clown didn't maintain the right. members did other things, I'm sure, but you know what right, I mean? right. Like Death Before Dishonor is the sick of it all of its time, you know. And I, it, I don't know how I can compare myself sick of it all, but I appreciate well, it. But yeah, yeah, we did sick. With I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a functioning, relevant band, releases material, plays those shows. Maybe not, you know, you're kind of like similar to the band that I'm in. Like, we're not like a full-time band. Maybe people don't even realize that, but we are a full-time band. But, you know, right, we, right. we all work real jobs and 40 hours a week and all that. There's only, there's very few bands that do this for a living all the time, you know. It's hard to, of course, yeah. yeah. And you guys have been doing it for a long time as well. So, yeah, I mean, even for us, I mean, we've done it for a long time. But, in, I mean, we did go through a spurt of, like, 10 years of not putting out a record. But we are still playing shows and still touring and going through member changes and all that whackness. But I, I think, like, like what you're saying, like, even with Legacy, it's, like, just sticking with it. You know what I mean? And just, like, loving it and just, just doing it, you know? Yeah. And what was the 10 years from Better Ways to Die up until Unfinished Business? Yeah, yeah. That was like the longest gap of a record. And like, you know, we still put like coming out of Better Ways to Die, we were touring like crazy. And then Frankie stopped touring. And that was like a little bit of a hit because like he wrote 
everything, 90, 95% of everything in the fucking band. And, uh, you know, and then like just member, you know, continuing to tour off that record, the member changes and then just like finding the right lineup. And then like, then you're ready to do a new record, but then personal shit, just a whole bunch of just shit and 10 years will fly by before you know it. And it did fly by, didn't it? Cause better years, <laughs> better ways to die. Doesn't seem like a 10 year old album to me at all. Like it's no, me neither. About. And that's it's a crazy. great album, by the way. Great album. Thank you. I love that record. So many strong songs. How was it when, so Frankie kind of that motherfucker, he kind of basically <laughs> threw a monkey wrench into the whole operation, I guess. Yeah, we did better. Like, you know, we, the band was doing the band thing, you know, like, and better way style. We recorded that. We were touring like crazy at that time. And then, you know, he was getting married or, or having a kid at that point And like, you know, just had to get his life together. I mean, it's like you said, like in that time, I would say we were probably like full time band, like just tour, 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 not really making a lot of money, but just, you know, if you're going from tour to tour, you can yeah. survive if you don't have a house kid, serious responsibilities. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he, he was having a kid, definitely get married. I think having, a, having Patsy at the time was just, I think he was also burnt out on fucking touring. I mean, I think we we're all burnt at that point. And then, yeah, so that was a hit, but me being me, I'm like, oh. And he didn't quit the band. He just, like, needed to step back. Definitely quit touring. Um, would play shows at home. But it, it, it was a big deal. And it, I think his mind was, like, on personal things, you know. And so he, that was, like, big shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. Plus he was, uh, you know, uh, one of the faces of the band, you know. Of course. Yeah, it was me and him for years, you know what I mean? And he's he's out there. He's hanging out. You know, he knows everybody. He's got a voice. He's got his own band, you know. He's how a presence. It, how was it to tour without him for the first time? Did it did it kind of like bum you out at all, or just just you know you did it? With, you didn't even I don't know. I I feel like at first, you know, when so from like '05 to like '09, I mean, we were we were doing like 200 shows a year. We were like on fucking tour. So I think at first wow, it was just kind of like. Definitely 06 to 08 or 09, there was definitely two to 250 shows. There were two or three years back-to-back that were just shows, shows, tours, tours. And I was like, I think we were all burnt. And I think Frankie was burnt out. So at first, it was weird just not having him there just from like, you know, I mean, fuck me and that dude from the rip. And then, but it was also like that little break. You're like, all right, we kind of need a break. You're fucking living next to each other fucking 200 days a year. You can be the best of friends. You're going to start hating everything about each other. Yeah. And we didn't hate each other, but you know what I'm saying? It's just totally, like, yeah. uh, so yeah. It, and then just like trying to, you know, he was, he's always been in our corner. So even when he stepped, took a step back, it was always cool. But I mean, you know, we had Colin come in and Colin had big shoes to fill and he's been fucking killing it. And then we got Ben shortly after that. I mean, we went through a skew of people, but like leading up to this current lineup, like Ben and Colin, like really stepped up, like as far as like everything too, you know what I mean? Like sound wise, writing wise, all that shit and just being a part of the band. So it took a little bit to just find our niche with all the members, but it, it worked itself out. And like, yeah. if you look now, like, you know, Frankie will jump and play. He's always played shows at home here and there. You know what I mean? Whenever he can. But yeah, you know, throughout that like, gap, I definitely seen him a handful of times with the band. <laughs> Absolutely. He'll always jump in here and there and he'll, he'll always be a part of the band. You know what I mean? He just takes much less of a role, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that is, it, it was kind of the, you know, you two were kind of the recognizable faces of, of the, uh, of the operation. 
Yeah. I, I didn't even realize that until right now, the gap, 2009 and 2019, as far as recorded music, like you said, you kept playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and even at the playing, like, you know, getting into like the seventh year period, we definitely started playing less and less. And like, we had been, t- I mean, the first song off the new record, we wrote like a year after better with like i don't know colin had been in the band and we wrote that like i don't know seven years ago or something like that eight years ago we just i don't know time gets ahead of you and then you're like fuck man we haven't done a record and i think we like from like that constantly touring definitely lost a little momentum but we stayed with it i mean we definitely were touring and, and like even in like from like the last three years before the new record we definitely slowed down a bunch would go to europe play some shows here but we weren't just like yo we gotta go on tour for the sake of going on tour you know what i mean yeah yeah and I saw you had stuff coming up in, in uh, Columbia. Yeah, we just announced, we've been there a couple times, but we just announced some like Tattoo Fest or something supposed to be in May in Columbia. Will it happen? Who knows? Hopefully it does. They seem positive. I don't know if we can leave, go there, have to quarantine 14 days. I don't know. The way I look at it, like, I mean, I'm fucking itching to play shows and it's yeah. in May. I'm going to think positively, but I'm not going to overthink it because things are so fucking wild right now that it's like, I don't want to be excited, but well, it's I'm, like six I'm lo- months away. It's possible. It's definitely possible. And like, yeah. who knows? You know, I mean, dude, if they tell me I got to like quarantine for 14 days there, then so be it. I fucking will for one show at this point. <laughs> yeah. You miss it. Yeah, I definitely miss it, man. And it's like, you know, when this thing hit, I feel like it was like a little, break and it was like oh cool i mean for us it sucked because a record you know you wait 10 years you fucking put out this record i'm so psyched on this record we started doing a bunch of touring we had a bunch of stuff we were looking forward to like you know uh even we did a tour we landed from like la we did a west coast run with madball we came back like march 3rd and i think everything got shut down like march 15th because i remember flying out of lax like and there yeah. were all these like signs and i was like i even got a little cold out there you know like a tour cold and i'm like oh man are they gonna fucking try to quarantine me or some shit um but we were supposed to go to like canada with madball after that we had a whole summer festival lined up i'm sure you guys did and then you know i mean i feel like we put out this record and we we're starting to gain some momentum and we're kind of at a spot where we we're like yo we can tour you know what i mean and like do some stuff and we were, we we're gaining that momentum and then this shit hit so damn that kind of suck. yeah i didn't see it like that yeah yeah, that came out. What month did uh, that album come out? So the album actually came out in 2000. It came out July 2019. That day we okay. we played that This Is Hardcore that Friday, and that's actually was the release date. So that gotcha. was cool. That came out, and then there was like a little gap, not purposely. We were just trying to like, you know, gain a little momentum. And then all of a sudden, shows started to hit the early, late last year, early this year, and lining up some tours, and then boom, and everything's on hold. Yeah, that is rough for, uh, yeah, to you know, because you're in the promote the new album kind of mode. Absolutely. Yeah, that sucks, man. What do you think of all this shit? Is it whack? Uh, is it serious? Are they playing games? What the fuck's going on? I think a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously, like, it's a thing. I mean, I know people that have had it. I've known people that, I don't know, like, my girl's mother had it. She was sick. She's fine now. My brother had it. He's fine. Uh, I know that other people have had it and had like bad effects from it, you know, just hearing stories on uh, like people I know too. Um, yeah. Is it a yeah, little it's bit? Definitely, it's a real thing, but like, what, absolutely. Like, what the fuck are we like? What, how, like, how long could we, it's kind of, I see it like this. If the government is telling you, you can't do this or that. And especially when it comes to stuff with a job and a livelihood, but they're yep. not compensating you. Right. Then, 
fuck them. Like, you got to do what you got to do. If they're saying this thing is so bad and we're not going to let you open your, your bar uh, for these months, but don't worry, we're going to take care of it because it's that bad and that serious, then you, know, then you work with them. But when right. they're just not lending a hand and telling you, you don't do this, don't do that, can't go here, this is closed, can't sell this, fuck that shit, man. If yeah, people are going to do what the fuck they need to do, yeah. and rightfully so. so. I mean, that's the you weird thing. Like, you can't blame them. No, at first, yeah, there was some, and did everybody get money? I don't fucking know. You know, I've, I've worked throughout this whole thing, like, luckily enough. But yeah, at first, so there was, like, extra money for people and stuff like that, and, you know, uh, and now there isn't, and yet we're going into, like, a shutdown, and, like, I get it, right? So if you're, you know, you can look at it anyways, but it, if you're nervous about it, I mean, if I got it and gave it to my mother, I'd probably kill her because she's sick, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, like you said, there's people that like need to take care of their families and provide for them and are going to end up fucking homeless. So are you going to run, live off of fear? Or are you just going to do what you need to do for your family? So, yeah, yeah. and I get it. So maybe that causes more of a spread, I guess, because you're going to keep your business open, but you're also got to take care of your kids. So like you said, I mean, I don't know, maybe the government needs to come in and help them or. I think so. I think that's the, for, you know, for it to be taken serious, they want civilians to take it serious, but without the proper help. I mean, okay, the twelve hundred dollar thing they sent out months ago, right. and then now now figure it out because I'm sure you know club owners, you know bar owners, or people that work in bars, bartenders. Like oh, dude, absolutely. Restaurants I mean, are getting crushed, and it's like they're, they're not getting any help like was promised. Nothing. Shit's closing every day. I mean, you see about bars, restaurants, clubs, all that shit. Uh, even small businesses are getting fucked, you know? So it's 100%. like, and then, you know, so even in the summer, right? So they did, all right, we're going to open up bars and restaurants and put outdoor seating. Well, now you're in the fucking winter. Who's going to sit outside? Yeah. You know, know, a little fucking. And they're trying to like be creative and stuff like that. But even at that capacity, these bars and restaurants are struggling. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, they were open for the summer, they had patio seating, all this cool stuff. And I know dudes that own restaurants, they're still fucking struggling, you know, and there's people oh. that you know, so it's like you're absolutely right. Like if it's that's you know, when I look at everything, it's like I don't believe anything I've told because I never liked the fucking government. I know it's real, I'm not making light of it, and I understand people that are very nervous of it if you have the right reasons to, but how do you shut everything down and expect people to come back from it? And or or to take it that serious if they can't put food on their table for their family. Totally, hundred percent. And yo, you uh, you mentioned your mom before. I heard this. I don't know if it's true. If you don't mind talking about it, but are your parents deaf? Yeah, uh, my dad's passed away, but he was hard of hearing. Uh, my mother's deaf, completely deaf. And your dad, your dad was hard of hearing, but not deaf. Right. So, like when Got he it. was. Okay. When I was younger, he could like, you know, he always had hearing aids and he could like hear a little more. He'd talk on the phone and yell really loud. He'd never like really be able to hear. But as he got older, though, the hearing got worse and worse. He was practically deaf at the end. But yeah, my mom's deaf. How was that with, uh, you know, because you're basically a musician. Yeah, the, I like- didn't like grow up with music. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I did as far as like finding it on my own, but I didn't like, yeah, you know, you hear like, it. In the household, it was not a thing, I guess. No, nah, not at all. Like, I just you know, found it on my own, whether it was like MTV as a kid or whatever people listen to at school and shit like that. But, and I didn't have any like older siblings. I got a younger brother and sister, but yeah, no, yeah. I hear about people that like, Oh, you know, my parents listen to this and this and this. Like, I feel like I remember when I was younger, my dad 
because like I said, he was hard of hearing. So you could like hear stuff. He would play like a lot of like Irish music. Like his family was from Ireland. I just remember being in his truck and he'd be blasting it really loud so he could fucking hear it. But uh, <laughs> that's like the only thing I really remember. I remember like as a kid, like just, you know, from school and stuff I see, I remember buying like a Bruce Springsteen record or like... <laughs> I don't know whatever. So who was it that that got you into this kind of music that brought you in? Uh I I just kind of always did my own thing. So like I I always liked me like when I like liked music, I like music, you know. So I got like I like like all the hit stuff. Like I like Bruce Springsteen. I like hits, you know. And then like yeah. this is like super young. I remember like we had a Strawberries which was like a record store. I don't know if it was regional. So I don't know if you guys had a Strawberries, but we had Strawberries back in the day which is like a regional record store and uh it, I had one in my town, so I, I remember getting that Bruce Springsteen record. I remember getting like Michael Jackson Thriller, like wow, Action Records cool or stuff, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I only got that because I remember seeing like the Thriller video or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also probably bought Goofy shit. I mean, uh, but what was that? Yeah. Anyways, so I got into like you know, I started like rebelling, skipping school. I started, you know, I, when I was younger, I played like football and all this stuff. And I started skipping school. I started skateboarding. I was into like hip hop, you know, all probably just through kids from school. And then I started getting into metal. And then I remember watching like headbangers ball. And I remember seeing like some of that, like whether it was on Beavis and Butthead or headbangers and ball, like uh, headbangers ball too. Why do I say headbangers ball too? I'm losing my mind. Uh, you know, like you see like the suicidal stuff. I remember seeing the biohazard video and stuff like, so I yeah. started getting the heaviest stuff. And there was a couple dudes from my school that were like kind of in a hardcore. I feel like they like led me down that path, but I just remember, you know, I got that first biohazard record and I, I got gotten other stuff. I think it was just like local stuff. Cause that strawberries, you could kind of get some, you could like put your demos in there and consignment. So you get like local stuff. But I remember like, the the getting one voice and i think to this day i mean that was just like a game changer so that like really got me into it and then the couple kids that like were kind of into shows brought me to a show and then i remember seeing biohazard stomp box and reason enough in boston and then those dudes didn't even go to shows all the time but from there i was just like on on my own trying to get to any shows possible find out about any shows possible and just it was a wrap Yo, one voice you mentioned. What an album that is! Like, oh, to this day, I just turned on, put it on the other day, dude. I mean, that thing's a fucking. Yeah. You know, they need to put that out again, though. Remastered. I very, agree. It's a very low volume. It's a great production. I was just gonna say the mix is fucking awesome on it because I I remember the production being weird. And I just listened to Driving to Work the other day, and you're right. Like the the mix is great, the recording, but it's yeah. just a low volume, like the mastering or something. It's just, yeah, very Absolutely. low. And Such I might be wrong, but I don't think it's available on like iTunes or like streaming. It's, it's on Spotify because oh, I definitely listen. Okay. And maybe it wasn't before, but I definitely listened to it. Yeah, I think I even posted something about it because I was. Uh, yeah, that's just a driving master, work, master yeah. full length. I used to say that's the best hardcore album and the best metal album. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's brilliant record great lineup solid <sighs> songs are fucking dope fucking yeah lyrics and it holds dope. up man i listened to the other day i'm like this thing's a fucking banger i would fucking go insane to hear all these songs live. yeah yeah i like it's one of my favorite records my favorite band would probably be madball all time just a consistent dope albums after album after album but if i yeah. gotta pick one album from a hardcore band that one voice is great i mean even growing up in boston for me because i remember as a kid like 
in all, you know, don't get me wrong. I loved blood for blood. I, you know, I, I like slap shot a lot. I wasn't the biggest, I always like, you know, I knew what slap shot was for Boston and there was, they definitely had a couple albums I thought were fucking dope, but I wasn't like the biggest slap shot fan. I was also at that time more in heavier stuff and, you know, like Madball set it off. Yeah. Now the front one voice that bio has a record like that stuff just resonated with like what type of music I was into at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Slapshot was just a little too old school for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, as you know, it's funny. I think I was like a lot more ignorant when I was younger, you know, you're, you're into what you're into. Like at first, I mean, I listened to anything hardcore, but like when you find your little taste and then as I got into it more, I started seeing more shows like, there was some things I was like, ah, I don't like that. That's a little too punk for me. But like, as I get older, like, it's like, damn, man, I like probably saw half of these bands that didn't pay it, pay like real attention because yeah, I was right. kind of closed minded. I'm like, you know, especially like being in Boston to be like, blood for blood, the bruises and like this and that. And I'd be like, I don't really care about the bruises. I fucking love the bruises. Like, what the fuck was I thinking when I was younger? Yeah, you wasted time. Like, you know, I know. Now you look back. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that dope. that agnostic fucking front record's amazing. Madball set it off when I heard that too. And I think like all these things led me into it, but I will say Madball set it off was like that. So agnostic front one voice, I was like, yo, the record, everything perfect. Loved it. And then I remember hearing set it off and that was just like that much more harder and heavier. Yeah. Like, and it like had this real like street feel. Not that Agnostic Front did it, but just like more the layout fun. of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I was just like more and, relatable. And, and the guys closer to your age, and you know, and yeah, definitely. absolutely. And I think like when I first got into it, if I'm correct, like I don't think Agnostic Front was even playing then because Roger might have been away or something. There was something. There was a little lull in their career. And I think at that time, I was able to see Madball you know, when I was really young, first starting to go with shows and I wasn't able to see agnostic front. So like, and seeing Madball for the first time, I was like, damn, this shit's wild. Yeah. I don't think they were playing. I remember seeing, uh, it was a record release, uh, party for biohazard yeah. and they had Madball opening. They had a ton of bands opening, but they had Roger come out and do a song during the Madball set. And at the time, everybody, uh, while, while Madball was playing, Everybody's yelling stigma, stigma. I didn't even realize stigma was in Mad Balls before set it set it off came out. Right. And I was like around that time. So that's what got me into Mad Ball when I saw that set. And then I realized like, oh, this is kind of like Mad Ball taking over for Agnostic Front. You know, right, right. Agnostic Front would come back, but Absolutely. Yeah. At that time, that's how it transcends too. You yeah. know, with those dudes being in that band. But yeah, that's another record that like you know, set it and off I always and felt like they, you know, like yeah, Slapshot was a little too old school, and they stayed old school. You know, probably yeah. they stayed, but always that guy always was too much of a troll for me too. He was like such a troublemaker, dude. That dude. <laughs> like I remember, even like when I was younger, I'd always hear stories about him. Uh, and this is like pre like the New Yorks. Just he, I think he had some problems with some Boston people too. And once again, stuff that like I wasn't involved with. I was like a kid, you know what I mean? And yeah, you, yeah. you hear like the gossip around the way, and it's like, oh, those dudes hate him. Uh, there was like a couple things that a couple songs and a couple records that I really liked. And they had this like I think they had a live record from like that club S36 in Berlin. Um, it was actually pretty dope. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, and I saw him once uh, with Life Agony, and they, the guy was kind of a dick. I was like, you know, it's kind of cool, but he was like, just, I don't know. Like you said, it was a little more fast for me. I wasn't into that. Um, yeah, and he's had his trials and tribulations. I mean, I don't to this day, I don't know like tri- 
jokes super well. Uh, he's been nice to me every time I talk to him, uh, especially like as of recently, you know, cause they play more now than like, there was a gap with that band where they kind of weren't doing anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. It seems like they weren't almost welcomed anywhere for a while. Yeah. yeah like I could be wrong. Know, you, I just, yeah, they definitely weren't on the radar. I didn't notice them playing a lot for, for a period. Yeah. I, I know like when I first got in hardcore, they play in Boston all the time. I know there was a gap, you know, you hear rumors. I don't know if this and that, I know we play with Europe with them, like later on death for dishonor. They had a guitar playing them. Not before Craig, a kid I knew that used to be in this band called grudge holder back in the day. Um, he happened to be playing guitar for them. So it was cool, but I wasn't like friends with choke or anything like that. And I didn't know the other guys in the band at the time. And then, uh, it seems like, you know, they've, they've done a lot more. They got Craig in the, I don't think Craig's in the band anymore, but when they got Craig in the band and now they got Ryan in the band and, uh, yeah, on drums, like now, real active. yeah, they seem to be doing a lot more. I just feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about choke. I know enough about like the stuff that's happened. I feel like, yeah, he definitely has pushed some buttons. I don't know if it's just like that. He might be from that crazy. era. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it's like, like real pain in the asses and shit talkers for a while. And the punk dudes that would be like shaking around on stage and spitting and you know, he was, yeah, like, it's like the generation era. Yeah. older than maybe a generation older than our generation where they're like, I, I say this like, as a joke, but like too punk for their own good type thing. Yeah. But that's that mindset. Like those dudes, you know, I feel like there's a lot of dudes from, uh, back then that were just kind of like did their own thing and didn't give a fuck whether I yeah. respect it or whatever. That's just what they did. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, wasn't my I, thing, but they became like, you know, intertwined with Boston, the city. And so did blood for blood. And then so did death before dishonor. And it's, you know, tons of Boston bands, but, those three bands, honestly, like you're in good company. That's how I see it. That's how people from my area, my generation perceive it. Like, you know, well, I appreciate that. If it's carrying the flame, uh, the flag for a major sit, like, you know, one of, one of the most major locations for this sort of, of music. That's a, that's a big deal. I mean, I try to, I mean, I try to, uh, first of all, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I pride myself on being from here and, and, going around the world, like bringing our music from our city and talking to people about our city. I think that shit's cool. I think, you know, Boston's a weird place. It has so many bands. I think a lot of things with Boston too, like it doesn't have a lot of like bands with like super long longevity. It's like you said, you get the slap shots, the blood for bloods. You got, of course, like Bane and stuff like that. That's from Boston. Uh, 10 yard fight for a while, stuff like that. But like a lot of people come here for college and seem to like start bands and might live here for a bit and then like move away. So you have a lot of great bands from Boston, but they don't like stay together long. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought of it like that. You're right though. And then Bane is totally like, you know, a legendary band from Boston, but they don't really, to me, they, you know, they're not, I don't think Bane is a Boston band. I think Bane is a, le a legendary hardcore band, you know, like totally. Right, right, right. But it's not like they didn't really push the that Boston element. flag. Yeah. Right, right. They were just themselves and they're legend. You're absolutely right. But yeah, we always push like the Boston flag. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you mentioned South Shore. I remember uh, Colin of Arabia had a dope shirt. I still got it. And it had like sort of like the Confederate flag, but like weird colors. The South will rise again. The South Shore will rise again. Yeah. yeah I love that shirt. That's Colin always fucking doing some and, wild pushing. And Colin is shit. like a throwback of a, a like front man of like the Slapshot era, right? He's like that style. Like Absolutely. He's, he's totally like agitating and creepy and weird, like one of the coolest front men. Dude, he 
I always say this to this day. I swear to God, he's probably one of the best fucking front men out there. He's just so out of his fucking mind. And he's the type of dude that will push buttons and just say the most wildest shit. But yeah, you're right. He's absolutely like a choke era type front man. And yeah. that's his personality too, though. I mean, he's out. I've known Colin since those one, two, one days. I met him when we were both like, I, I hated Colin for the first few years of my life. Cause he was just a fucking <laughs> asshole. You know what I mean? Like how oh, can you yeah. not? He pushes buttons, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he comes to become one of my best friends. So, but yeah, he's definitely, and he, he lives that like persona. That's him. That's who yes. he is. Yeah. He's the real deal. One time he, I, I talked about this before, but he played the best trick on us ever. We were playing in, uh, I think it was Rhode Island and his band was playing and, uh, you know, uh, product of waste is from yep, Rhode absolutely. Island. And he's like, yo, you should, we, we covered one of their songs, uh, on a seven inch. And yep. he's like, you should play that song, the product of waste. I'm like, really? I'm like, damn, we didn't like practice it. He's like, dude, you got to play it. Are you crazy? He came all the way here and not playing it. So <laughs> I'm in the back. I'm showing it to everybody. Like, check it out. Okay. We're yep. really going to play this. Like we didn't rehearse it. Yeah. Let's just play it. Like, all right, we're ready to play it. Colin, uh, Colin of Arabia is on stage. And they they say, oh, this goes out to Wisdom and Chains, and they play the song. <laughs> Fucking typical Colin he shit. The, he made me waste all of that time, and then he ended up playing the song. Yo, I didn't even hear that story, but as you're saying it in my head, I'm like, I bet CoA covered that fucking his song. Face, his, his evil smile on his face, he knew, like, yo, I got you so bad, you idiot. He loves it. He's the best. Yeah, because he's looking over my shoulder too while I'm trying to relearn it. Like, yeah, oh, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, fucking that's brilliant that's great i gotta get him on here oh dude he's yeah he's got some stories i want to talk about that story when he's in jail and he's singing over the uh the payphone yeah yeah i wasn't even at that show but yeah they they had him fucking call from jail and he just fucking sang over the fucking phone that's great yo you guys had a crazy story i remember you and uh you and frankie telling me way back like this big night a crazy night in europe Oh Jesus! You know which one? one? About? The one we got arrested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fucking. Could you go over that one for me? It almost because yeah, my memory's so bad. I remember loving the story, but I can't remember it too well. But everybody would like to hear this from what I remember. Yeah, it was a good story. I just remember we played some. We played some show. I feel like it was in this place called like Hof or something. It was. It wasn't a major city. It was in like Bavaria, kind of middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and. uh yeah, so we played this venue, and we knew the dude that ran the venue. He used to, like, work for, like, Ragewear or something. He, he had, like, a merchandising company, and the guy actually came to the States once. Anyway, so we're playing the venue, dope show, and our hotel's, like, or it was, like, one of those, like, uh, you know, bed and breakfast type things, whatever they could, the pensions, they call them there, like, small place, like, in the fucking woods. So our hotel's, yeah. like, a block away, and I forget who we're on tour with. Maybe it's someone's birthday. We're all drinking like crazy. Like, Schlump's driving us. He's drinking because he doesn't have to drive because the hotel's down the street. We're all bombed. And we're hanging out afterwards. Great show. And this dude, like, he wanted me to do a shot with him or something. I'm like, just done. Like, you know, just want to wrap it up. And I wouldn't. He kept on, like, calling me a pussy or something. Oh, like, with his dick out at me because I would do a shot. Like, just the <laughs> weirdest, craziest, drunk German shit I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just like, but, you know. You get those crazy drunk Europeans at the end of the night. I mean, hey, some of us Americans could be like that too. But I was just like, whatever, whatever. And uh, just like leave. The dude got thrown out like three times. Like the owner's like, go home. He somehow keeps on getting back in and talking shit. And I'm like, dude, this is just stupid. I look to my right. Like the dude's like walking 
like still running his mouth, but he's away from me. And I see a big white blob go by me. Of course, it's Frankie. He hits him, breaks his fucking face. <laughs> a white blob. Of course, it's Frankie. And I was like, shit. Because I, I was holding Frankie back. So I was like, dude, there's just no way we get away with like knocking a dude out here. Even though we know the owner. It's like middle of fucking nowhere. Anyways, he hits the dude. I'm like, fuck. And then the owner's like, don't worry about it. I don't even see the dude, but I guess his face is just broken outside. So the owner's like, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. 20 minutes later, the dude's like, the cops here. You get it. Cause we would have broke the fuck out. But he's like, yo, the cops are here. You got to get the fuck out. I'm like, dude, you couldn't tell me this 20 minutes ago. I would have left. You told me everything would have been fine. Oh, Anyways, we run out the back and it's all fucking like tall grass. And we're like trying to be quiet. We're like, dude, we'll just get over the street and run to the fucking hotel. It's like two blocks away. We're straight. We're like creeping around the back and go to take a right to run down the street and there's a dude laying in the ground like literally a, like a drunk german dude sleeping on the fucking sidewalk but it scared <laughs> the shit out of me so i fucking scream and then we run to the back because i didn't know what the fuck it was and then next thing you know these cops got guns on us and dude they barely spoke english we're in like a fucking like village they arrest us fucking we go to fucking jail we sit and I say jail, it actually was kind of like I had my cell phone on me. They didn't really do much. They were actually kind of cool, but they wanted to like take pictures of all our tattoos and stuff like that. And Frankie's fucking like etch a sketch with his tattoos. And they wanted to know meanings. They could barely speak English. Frankie's bombed. And he's like, I want a translator. And they're like, yeah, you got to wait till Monday. This is like Friday night. And I'm in the other room. Like, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just tell them what they want to hear. Get the fuck out of here. We're in Germany. Who cares? Like, we'll never come back. I don't give a fuck. Anyways, four hours later, Frankie arguing with them. <laughs> three three thousand euros to get the well actually i lied 1500 euros to get out that night and i remember rob my bass player at the time he went and woke up schlump because schlump was back at the hotel sleeping he's our tour manager great fucking guy yeah, banging cool. on his fucking door banging on his door fucking comes out i, I guess he sleeps in his fucking uh doc martens because he was in boots and boxer shorts hard. and he's like hard he's like what the fuck do you want he's like yo frankie and brian got arrested and he's like so <laughs> fuck a typical slum and he's like yo i need their passports so he gives him passports he's like van seven in the morning i don't give a fuck and just shut the door i'm like oh thanks Shlom. uh my boy too that's just funny uh but yeah so we finally get out of there fucking 1500 euros there was a court case i guess we could have flown back there anyways frankie gets charged with like assault i get charged with telling the kid i was gonna kill him like i saw that like i couldn't understand the paperwork but i saw that in quotes oh, so fuck. But this thing carries on because, like, they had Frankie's information, but not mine, I guess. So, funny story, Frankie stops touring with Death for Dishonor. I'd been in Europe a couple of times since, didn't hear nothing of it. Like, I might have flown into Belgium or something like that. And, and you know how, like, you start a European tour, you could fly into Germany, Belgium, Netherlands. You never know, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I must not have flown into Germany, but I didn't think anything of it because, whatever, you know, typical European tour. It must have been, like, two years later, we were flying to... uh Kiev, Ukraine, out of Berlin, like in the middle of tour. And I flew out no problem. But when I flew back at like the customs thing, they like scanned my passport. They brought me up to like the little jail there. So when we got charged, Frankie's Frankie's charge cost $1,500. They had my like passport number, but not my address or something. So I owed another $1,500 if I wanted to get out of oh, this German air. So I had to like call AK that was tour managing us at the time being like, yo, you got to bring 1500 euros. So basically if somebody wants to talk shit, cause you don't want to do a shot of alcohol and whip their dick out at you, don't touch them. Cause it costs too much money. Dude, three G's for that shit. 
Dude, three cheese. The dude got punched. I mean, granted, a punch from Frankie sucks. And I, it's come to find out years later, I guess that dude works at like the Munich airport police station or some shit. Really? Which go, fi- yeah, go figure. The dude just straight snitched us out. But after he talked all that shit, too, it wasn't like an ambulance came and like they had to arrest somebody. He just straight up ratted on us. It was like, I like those guys pulled me. his dick out on you as like a- dude that was like a fuck you i'm like put your fucking dick away weirdo like you and it was just like simple thing like granted you know if i just did a shot with that dude nothing would happen but i just said no and the dude was so offended that I wouldn't like and it wasn't you like i would be nice with to it. these people i know i learned that's why now it's like yeah whatever man I, right, I told fine, frankie do it. i'm like dude <laughs> even over there man i'm like you got to be careful man because i'm not like oh no i'm gonna go to fucking jail for the rest of my life like yo dude it just costs too much money. You can't go home from tour with any money. You're fucking, you get in a fight over there. Yeah. So two tours, you got hit two separate tours with a oh, dude. lump sum taken out. Yeah. 1500 bucks doesn't fucking, uh, yeah. It's like that an is, airline ticket. That's like real, to, you know, it's like for anybody that has tour, you know, toured over there though, when you say, you know, when you do hit these small, uh, towns and villages, it just seems that that's where this sort of stuff happens, right? It's it's yeah, dude. It's you I can know, totally picture like, the guy like like of course I know all over. Yeah, it's so funny, dude. Yeah, dude. I don't know what it is with these. It, and mind you, like you know how it is. Like the shows in the little villages are always like fucking wild and shit. I just think yeah. it's like you know it's a little further away than a major city because you know you don't. I mean, you see like wild and dumb shit. Not that fights can't happen in like Berlin, but it's a little more like. It's like the weird shit doesn't happen there, but it's definitely uh, in these small villages. Great fucking shows, great clubs, great food, but always like you stay a little bit too long, some weird shit happens. Yeah, I try to bounce immediately. Yeah, you're smart. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've learned, learned my lessons I, early, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've learned to this point too. It's just like, you know, you're you're hanging out and you're like, dude, there's nothing good coming to this. You know what yeah, I mean? Unless you know the people personally, then you know. Absolutely. Yeah, you're hanging yeah. out with your boys. It's a little different. With but the you strangers, got like, who knows what the fuck's going down. Absolutely. But yeah, that was one of many ridiculous European. You're probably fiending for another tour over there, though, huh? Yeah, we were supposed to go like this past summer and they push all those festivals to next summer. So hopefully that works out. But yeah, I, I mean, you we were like, on some stuff together. Like, the yeah, schedule yeah, for, this for sure. There summer. was a few things. Yeah, and you guys had some, because you guys did that persistence tour early in the year. And you, I feel like you guys had a bunch of stuff lined we up, like got momentum lucky. from that. Yeah, if we didn't do that, we did, uh, yeah. If we didn't do that tour, that's we wouldn't have played a show all year, you know. Dude, same with us with that West Coast run with Madball. We're lucky to get that yeah, up, but I mean, that. yeah, we had two two things uh, in Europe scheduled, like you know, okay. a run kind of club run on our own, and a little something bigger with some other bands hitting some festivals, and yeah, they got nice. canceled immediately. We worked hard to uh, just try to record a little split seven inch and get something out just to have a little activity, but. You know everything. Yeah, what you do? Some live show, Sharp Shock, right? Is that what it? Yeah, we did something with Sharp Shock. I talked to you a while ago about doing something uh, with. Yeah, with you guys, if we could, you know, I know you you just release new material. It's hard. Yeah, but even for us, I mean, like I think, like so, you know, as I said, like Frankie recorded, wrote like ninety five percent of shit. This was the first record Frankie recorded with us. Uh, He did some vocals and he helped me. uh, He wrote lyrics to one song, uh, but he didn't write any of the music. So it was the first time, like. We recorded with like Colin writing most of it. You know, Ben helped a lot. And like, and mind you, we've been writing for a bit, but like, you know, when you, 
you're in a band. So once you have that gap and I'm not like this dude, like, Oh, we got to make sure our records as good as the last. Like personally, I want to make sure my record's good, but you're going in recording for the first time without Frankie. Cause he wasn't there for the whole process. Also, we recorded our whole life, like since friends, family forever up until better ways to die. We always recorded the outpost to get comfortable with the dude. And that dude, Jim Siegel was always the man. And this is the first yeah. time we recorded with uh, that dude, Zeus. And uh, so we're going into a new studio, you know, first time Colin and mind you Colin's been in the band for eight years I mean I know he's a great guitar player but anyways my point is we get in I'm it's completely psyched on the record like the band's firing on all cylinders so even though that record came out we've been getting together every other week or we were up until a couple weeks ago just because mass got really weird with like curfews and shit but we've been rehearsing and like next year is going to be 20 years of the band so i really wanted i definitely want to put out a seven inch for sure of new music instead of like re-releasing something because i feel like the band's completely different um yeah you should man i mean the i, I feel like the band's completely different from wartime and true death into friends family forever you know what i'm saying yeah so just you know instead of what we're re-releasing wartime we never play any of those songs so we're just going to do like a new seven inch but anyways doing a split and stuff like that isn't out of the question we're just kind of like now that we're kind of firing all cylinders like writing isn't like this whole to do you know what i'm saying or yeah, like yeah, this weird yeah. thing or there's other things in life that are like taking us away from writing a record like you know it, that's what sucks about the COVID thing more than anything band wise. And I know it's selfish, but it's like, yo, the record came out. It's not just that, like, you know, we got Greg on bass now, like we have a solid lineup and not to say people like Austin was with us before all these people that are like helped the band and did a lot of great things for us when Josh played drums. But like this lineup is pretty fucking solid. I'm excited on it. Dude's heads are all on the right place. We're all ready to do some stuff. And like, we had that record come out and like just continue to write. And it's like, well, everything's on pause. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the only thing that sucks. And as you know, like you guys have been a band forever. You know, that split, but you know, you do persistence tour, like for Europe, that's like a big deal. Cause all of a sudden you might get this bigger fest or this bigger fest. It just yeah, fucks momentum. hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. You know, they so. pull the, they pull the, the carpet out from under you for everybody, but yeah. to have a, a, the new, the new record out. Yeah. That's deep, bro. That sucks. I, I mean, at least we got it out and we had it out for, you know, six months before this hit, you know? So I, I can't, you know, Typical yeah. Death Fortis on a luck. I'm surprised it wasn't supposed to come out this July. And fucking, of course, it's COVID and I can't even play a show. So whatever, man. There's people that are worse off than us. But if you want to just talk about like momentum and stuff like that. But like I said, the band's in a good place. Like aside from all the shit going on as far as like lineup, we got some music definitely down. We, we're definitely going to put out some more new stuff. You know what I mean? Good, man. Well, people wanted to hear from you. So <clears throat> I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to know what's going on. Because, yeah, man. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, certain bands, uh, it's easier to keep track of than others, you know, this and that. And, uh, you know, so I'm always, I'm always trying to check in, like, you know, yeah. guess, you know, new stuff to sell, new, new stuff to record. And, uh, you do have a uh, new music out and I think everybody knows it's, it's, it's out there pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah. Bridge and I did a good deal. And it seemed like people like, we got a lot of positive feedback on it. The record seemed to be, you know, sold well and great, whatever, man, things are good. So like, you know, aside from this, craziness i hope we can get you know it's just weird man I, it's like i feel like being in a hardcore band like whenever somebody's like oh this club shut down we just find our own clubs we do this we do that we don't give a fuck you know what yeah, i mean we always keep it moving somehow but this is but this story. is like this is like some other level and like it's, it's almost yeah, it's, beyond yeah. us yeah and you, you know? know what the npa you know people a lot of angry people crying but kids been doing underground shows 
And, um, yeah, I, I've heard of a couple, and you know, I get it. Like, you know, and it, yeah. there's and people I, that I, want to I, criticize I'm not that. Mad at them. Yeah, if you mad, yeah, if man, you stay home if you don't want to go. I don't know what to tell you. I like, agree, man. You know, people are like, oh, well, it's going to make everybody. Sick. You know, you know what? It seems like everybody's getting million. sick regardless. I was just going to say, dude, you can go into Home Depot because I was going to Home Depot through this whole shit. And hey, I mean, thank Lord it was open. I need to do shit. But guess what? There's hundreds of people in there. I'm standing in line. No. People ain't doing six feet. They, people aren't wearing masks in the line and all this goofy shit. So it's like, yo, know, dude, if some kid does a show, don't go if you don't want to go. And if you want to criticize them, guess what? We've been criticized our whole life. We're hardcore kids. Who gives a fuck. If, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna pick somebody to be mad at, and you pick a kid who books a show and has 35 heads there over fucking Target and Walmart, then you got you got issues. Absolutely, that's the shit. That's crazy. We get props for playing shows in abandoned buildings that could fall apart and be dilapidated at any time. Now all of a sudden, everybody wants we got to be the safest people in the world. I'm not safe by nature. What do you want from me? You're absolutely right, dude. I keep on thinking like I think it was like oh six oh seven. I was going into Tijuana from like San Diego, and you have to like I remember like checking in at the U.S. side. Like you have to declare your gear or something. So if you come back with it, you don't have to pay taxes or some weird shit like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you know at the border, so. I remember being like, and there was like a full on cartel war in Tijuana, right? And the American soldiers like, you shouldn't go there. I'm like, well, we're going. And then they're like, yo, you, you'll die. We're not going to come save you. And I'm like, well, you fuck, I'm going to play a hardcore show. What the fuck has changed now? You know what I'm saying? Granted, I'm a little bit older and I'm like, you know, I'm not the asshole that like doesn't wear a mask in a store. I'm, I'm very like, whether it works or not, I mean, I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm following suit, but what else are you going to do, right? If I'm going to go in the store and that's 100%. their rules. If they want you to wear but, a mask, you wear a mask. But you're absolutely right when you're going to criticize like some dude because you can on Facebook. Dude, if you're really upset, dude, I mean, go, go. Why the fuck is, you know, Walmart open, but yet mom and pop fucking hardware store can't be. And I know. I, I know I know that's probably a little goofy because most hardware stores are, but whatever. Mom and pop fucking hairdresser. I don't fucking know, dude. That's one person that can wear a mask. But yeah, a hairdresser, you might have six heads in there at the most. Absolutely. And you and, could but schedule meanwhile, that so it's but, less. Yeah, but meanwhile, you got fucking, you know, a Walmart popping, going crazy. Right, right. So people, you know, they really pick and choose what they want to criticize. But like I said, I mean, I, I don't partake in any of that either way, you know, and I get it too. Whatever people need to do, you need to be safe, but there's a lot of whack shit going on. And I just fucking, I've always done me in the sense of like what, what's popular to do, you know? So like, whatever, dude, I mean, things will come back. I hope, uh, you know, I, it's crazy to even say that. Like I, I'm like, yo, hardcore bands will always find a way. Right. So at some point, it will. It is just kind of weird just because, like, unless you're going to do a basement, like, if you're a band that wants to, like, go on tour, like, even you said, like, that Columbia Fest, I'm trying to be great, hopeful, and be like, hey, it'll happen. And like I said, I'll go there. They tell me I got to quarantine for, if I got to go there for 15 days to play one show, fuck, I'm going to do it. I don't give a fuck if I'm sitting in a hotel. I'm losing my mind. But, <laughs> oh, hopefully we just come back to, I mean, I feel like at some point people are just going to, either this is going to level out, I'm not like a vaccine guy, but I'll probably be the first idiot to be like, oh, I can go to Europe. If I take a shot, give me a shot because I'm a fucking moron just to go to Europe. Um, but yeah, you might be in that position where, you know, if you want to fly, you have to get proof of the vaccination. Who knows? Yeah. And I, dude, I think, it you know, there's, there's vaccines that have worked. This vaccine, they're definitely rushing. I'm a, I'd be a little bit skeptical at first. Like I said, I'm not like an anti vaccinator, but like, you want to rush this? Give me like three months. Let me see if somebody grows a second head. Um, but I'll be the first idiot. They're like, all right, dude, here's a tour. You just got to get the shot. I mean, how much dumb shit we do just to. Yeah. 
we Don't have done more dangerous basement. things to play shows. Exactly. So that's True. my point. It's just like, it is what it is. It is just a lot of whack shit going on. So I just try to just do me i obviously see what's going on but i don't partake in it and just hope fucking we somehow end up on the uh, upper side of things yeah i hope so too man and listen i appreciate the talk and uh it was it was a good one a lot of stuff i never knew about the band and a lot of stuff cool. about you so it was really cool and uh later on when things get moving again maybe we'll get you back on if you could if you got the time and talk about some other shit always got time man i listen to your podcasts uh you know, I was listening to it before when it was all you guys and all these one-on-ones you're doing are really cool. And it's obviously, you know, in a time where there's not shows and shit kind of keeps you grounded. Yeah, like even when you hit me man. up, when you hit me up to do the, to as I was saying, like my mind shot with all this shit, but even like, dude, when you take yourself out of like playing shows, going to shows, hanging out with like dudes and bands, you kind of like just forget what's going on. You know what I mean? In the music yeah. world. Yeah. So it, I appreciate you reaching out. It's just uh, something to of talk course, about, man. touch base. Of course, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, my man. I appreciate everything and uh, hope to see you soon. All right, brother. Anything you want right, to man. say? Nothing, man. I uh, just, I don't know, check out the newest record on Finished Business on Bridge Nine. If you haven't, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, we'll see Fucking you soon. Get later. It, order it, stream it, do it. Stop being a sucker. It's safe. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to touch anything except your phone, and you got just, the whole thing right there. Disinfect it when it gets home. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you order the actual version, you can just wipe it down when it gets That's to the house. That's it. Let it sit in, in the garage for 14 days and then go get it and play it. You'll be safe. All right, homie. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Peace. Later, man. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is post-America! You ain't shit, motherfucker!